Masechet Kiddushin Daftet Zayin. The Mishnah mentioned that a servant, slave, can be, can be acquired with um, a contract. Ubishtar. Minelan, what's the source? Amar Ula, Amar Kera. Im acheret yikach lo. Hikisha hakatub leacheret. Maacheret mikniya bishtar. Af amah ibriya mikniya bishtar. We're talking about an amah ibriya, and we're assuming here that the same would be true for uh, other types of ibid ibri. That um, an amah ibriya who's sold by her father as a minor, uh, they can be married off to the daughter of the owner. Now, if the that uh, husband now husband should take another wife. The Torah says he has to make sure that he still has to provide for this Amma Ivriya who became his wife and, and give her she'era kesuta onata um, everything that a regular wife deserves. Just because he marries another does not mean that he can then pay anything less to take care of his Amma Ivriya wife. Now, this pasuk says, Yikach means regular kiddushin that he does with the other wife, and it compares that other regular wife to an Amma who is acquired not through regular kiddushin, but rather by being acquired as an Amma when she's a minor, and then being married off to the owner's daughter. So, since they are compared to each other, we can learn one law to the other. Just like that other wife can be acquired with a shtar, like any regular any kiddushin, so too a maivriya can be acquired with a shtar. All right, so that's Ola's uh, um, derivation. And we accept it halfway. This derivation makes sense according to the opinion that says when an owner acquires an amayvriya, it's the master that writes the contract. Um, because according to that opinion, it's equivalent to a marriage case, just like in a marriage case. It's the groom that writes a contract that says Harat Mikudeshit Li and gives it to the wife or the father of the bride. So too here it's the owner who's acquiring the Amaivriya that gives the contract to the father of the Amaivriya. And so it's a it's a good parallel, so that's a good derivation. But this itself is subject to machloket. What about according to the opinion that says it's the father of this girl that writes it? He instead, instead of the owner writing, behold, your daughter is my, my vriya, it's the father that says, I am giving my daughter over to you, as in Amaivriya. We know that this is machloket because uh, we have a, a statement of two Amoraim. Who writes it? Ravuna says it's the master that writes it. Fine. So we have a good derivation according to Ravuna. According to Rav Chista, however, he says the father writes it. So we have a good derivation. According to Rav Chista, who says that it's the father that writes it, so it's the wrong way. Kiddushin, the groom writes the shtad for Amayvriya, the father writes the shtad, so we need another derivation for Rav Chista. And now keep this in mind because at the end of this derivation, even Rav Chista is going to use this pasuk for, uh, to help out, uh, to bolster his argument, but it won't be a direct proof. Uh, so here's Rav Chista, uh, how Rav Chista can derive shtad 
for Amar Vriya and thereby for Avid Ivri in general. Amar Avachabar Yaakov, Amar Kera Lo Tese Kese Ta'avadim, Avanikneti Kikinyan Avadim, Umaynihu Shtar. Regarding Amar Ivriya, it says she does not go out like regular male slaves go out, go free, because a minor, Ama Ivriya, once she becomes an adult, either she'll be married or she'll be sent away um, once she reaches uh, 12 or so. So uh, now we're going to infer from this that she does not leave the slavery in the same way, but we can infer from this that she is acquired in the same way as Avadim, referring to Evid Kena'ani. Um, so, and how is an Evid Kna'ani acquired with a Shtar? An Evid Kna'ani is, is, is like land, it's considered really like property, and so just like anything, any property you can acquire with a Shtar, so to, especially land, so too an Evid Kna'ani you can get with a Shtar, and so this, Amayvriya, she does not leave the same way as Canaanite slaves, but she enters into it like a Canaanite slave, so that's the derivation for a Shtad for Amayvriya and thereby by to to any Eved Ivri. Hold on, if that's your derivation, then I could learn a different uh, uh, type of acquisition, which is hazaka. Hazaka for land would be to use the land. If I, if I want to uh, take possession of your land, I can go and start working the land, and then that will show that it's mine. Uh, or if it's for a slave, and I want to now you know, acquire it, I can tell the slave, you know, carry my bags, shine my shoes, and then by the slave doing work for me, that's an that's an act of acquisition. So if that derivation is, she does not go out like the way slaves do, but she does enter into um, uh, as an uh, as a shivcha the way that slaves do. And evit kanani, evit kanani can be acquired by shtar, but also by chazaka, right? You do a sale by money, but then you actually make them work. And that's how you acquire them. So maybe it's including that, that an Amayvriya can be acquired through Chazaka. And maybe the proof is not for Shtar. So, But there's another pasuk regarding Eved Kana'ani that says you will bequeath them to your children after you because they're really like property. When the owner dies, it goes to his children or to his heirs. And it has an extra word, otam, they will be uh, acquired through Chazaka. But there's another type of slave, an, a Hebrew slave, that will not be acquired by Chazaka. So we have two pesukim here. Um, the one is to say that is, there is an, a type of acquisition, like uh, Evid Kanani, that Shtad, and another pasuk that is limiting, excludes, that excludes Chazaka, uh, excludes Chazaka. But now we ask, wait, how do you know it's this way? Maybe you could flip it the other way around, and this pasuk can include Chazaka, and the other pasuk exclude Shtad. Vema otam bishtad, velo acher bishtad. So say that you can acquire uh, them with a, otam, that you can uh, inherit them, that's with a shtad, meaning only an Evid Kanani you can do with a shtad and not another with a shtad. Yeah, but it says here, and we said that that is, is with a shtad. So now, what if you say this is including a shtad and this one is excluding a shtad? Well, now we have, a, we, we don't know what to do. Well, why, do you, why did you say in the first place that this one is including a shtad and this pasuk is excluding 
excluding chazaka. Why not say this one is including a shtad, and then this one, maybe that's excluding chazaka. So I could read it that way also. So what, how do you know which way to read these pesukim? So we have to fall upon sevada. We're using reason to explain which pasuk belongs to which. It makes sense that we should include shtad as an way of acquiring an amayvriya because it all, it's also a way of divorcing a woman. You can divorce a woman with, um, with a get, and so that should be um, also apply to the acquisition of slaves. Hold on, Chazaka also does something. Um, if you have a convert who dies without any heirs and his actual, you know, his biological family is no longer his legal family, and so there's his, his property is up for grabs, and anyone who goes and takes it, let's say if it's land, uses it, can acquire. So Chazaka can be, is a form of acquisition over there. So maybe we should compare Amayvriya to that. No, but regarding marriage laws, we don't find that chazaka is a way of acquiring um, in, the, in the realm of marriage laws, and therefore it makes more sense to use a shtad um, because that is relevant to marriage laws regarding a Jew, and uh, and therefore a, a contract would be relevant. More makes more sense to be relevant regarding a, um, an, a, a, an Amah Ivriyah. So it says, she will not leave the way that Eve Avadim do. That's true, and uh, uh, but she is acquired the way Avadim are acquired. So that would be with a Shtad, and makes it makes sense state this is Shtad and not Chazaka, because Shtad is something that is also used in regular marriage. So that makes sense to compare it. Okay, that's one way uh, to derive it for Rav Chista. Another way, even Rav Chista can go back to that original pasuk that we used for Rav Huna. Rav Chista could say, listen, my derivation is from these pasukim comparing to Evid Kanani. But if you want to know, just know which one is which, is it including Shtar or is it including Chazaka? So you know what? Let's go with Shtar. Because of Imacheret, it's comparing Amayvriya to um, and Shiv. Uh, Amayvriya uh, to a regular marriage, and the regular marriage is with the shtad, so this should also be with the shtad. Now, Rav Chistad said it goes the wrong, uh, the wrong way. It's the father writing it or versus the owner writing it. Um, it's true, it's going the wrong way, but that derivation can at least guide us uh, to ha- about how to explain this pasuk, that this is, um, in fact, including um, shtad for an acquisition of an ama ivriya. Okay, good. So now we have derivations for both. Now we're going to wonder, what is Rav Huna going to do with that pasuk, that uh, the ama ivriya does not leave, go out of marriage the way others do, which Rav Chista used to learn that she can be acquired by Shtar. But Rav Huna already has, already has a different pasuk uh, of the comparison, Imacheret Yikachla, uh, Yikachlo. So what is he going to do? What is Rav Huna going to do with this pasuk? That's to teach me that. And the Maivriyad does not go free if, uh, if there's an injury to her limbs the way an Eved would. If an Eved's limbs are, are, are uh, uh, injured, then I, and so on, then the Eved Ivri goes free. Um, uh, but 
That's not true for an ama ivriya. Doesn't mean that the owner can do that. It just means if the owner would injure his ama ivriya or evit kanani, he would have to pay the same way you pay for uh, if you injure another Jew. Um, but it's not an automatic granting of freedom. So that's what it means. avadim. A regular evit kanani goes out by injuring, but an ama ivriya or evit ivri does not go free through injury. But abchistaim ken nichtav kera lotesek avadim maikeset avadim shema amina. Rav Chista said, well then, you could, you could have written a, a simpler way, why I say keset avadim from that extra word, we can learn two things from this pasuk, and so everybody can derive all of their laws that they uh, hold and account for all the pesukim. The Mishnah next says, An Eved Ivri can acquire himself and go free by years after he waits six years of work, then he goes free. How do you know? Um, uh, he works six years and then seventh year he goes free so that's explicit by Yovel and Eved Ivri goes free in the Yovel it says so explicitly he works until the Jubilee year by deduction of the amount of the, of the purchase price um, and Eved Ivri can be redeemed we learn this from Ama Ivriya that says once she, grows, she becomes an adult and he doesn't want to marry her or marry her off to his son so he has to let her be redeemed what does that mean let her be redeemed by, re- by deducting the uh, from the sale price um, the amount that she would need to re- be redeemed for he has to give her a good deal so that even if there are more years left in terms of the six years he has to deduct that and allow her to go free now regarding redeeming a slave uh, we have a Braita that says that a slave can acquire himself um, through money but also with something that is worth money it doesn't have to actually be be money it can be any item that has some value also he can use a star let's analyze I understand that he can use actual money currency um, because it says if you acquire if you redeem a slave so you have to deduct from the amount the money the silver that he was bought for so now from there you know that you one can be bought with silver and if you're deducting that specific amount so that means he can redeem himself also with currency and you can use something that's an equivalent of money because the pasu continues and says the he, he will he shall give back the price of his redemption so that's uh, extra words coming to include anything that's even worth money but how do you know what, what kind of how could you use a star if it means that you wrote a, a promissory note an IOU for the amount of money if the redemption price is $100 so I write a note I owe you $100 well then that's the same as money right it's just this is a an IOU it's a check that is uh, redeemable for money so that would be included in money that's not that's not star so instead if if it's for if it's instead for uh, to let him go and you want the owner is going to write okay I'm letting you go and you're write, writing that in a star well in that case if you're just letting him go he can just say in front of two witnesses or in front of a bed go you're free you don't need to 
have it put it in writing. You could just say it in an official setting. So what is the shtar doing? says we can learn from here that an Eved Ivri, for an Eved Ivri also, not only Eved Kanani, Eved Ivri, the owner owns the body of the, uh, of the slave, and therefore, just because he uh, relinquishes the rights to the monetary part of him uh, and, and says, uh, uh, relinquishes the rights to the deduction amount, right? If there's $100 left, he says, you know what? You don't have to pay the $100. That's insufficient because, okay, while he um, said, okay, you don't have to pay the $100, still he didn't do an act to actually let him go. And that's why you need a document, a star, to make it official that not only do, do you not have to pay, but that you also did an action uh, to emancipate that uh, servant. The Mishnah continues and says, Yetera alav amaha ivriya, a female Hebrew slave has another way of going free um, beyond a male, and that is uh, by becoming 12, actually having seeing a, the sign of puberty, which is two hairs. We're going to bring in this Mishnah in a second as a challenge to the following statement. Resh Lakish says that an Amaivriya can receive her freedom if her father dies uh, she gets her freedom from her master uh, meaning the father while he's alive sells off his daughter into slavery to an owner uh, now if the owner dies if any owner dies of goes free that we know already um, here this is that if the father dies while she is a slave she actually goes free how does he know that from a kava chomet Simanim uh, signs of Na'arut uh, do not remove her from under, being under the authority of the father, meaning if she works and the salary goes to the father, that remains from 12 to 12 and a half. I'm using the, the years as averages. Now, whenever she sees signs, um, she's a na'ara, the father still gets her salary. And so, it does not remove her. And yet, Mitashim um, and Simanim uh, does not remove her, um, but they do remove her from under the authority of her master. So you see that simanim are very powerful. Um, if so, then mita, which does make her uh, go free from under the authority of the av. So actually, uh, mita is even more powerful than simanim because simanim cannot get her under the out of the authority of the father, but um, Mita can get her out of the authority of the father, so Mita is stronger than Simanim. So, um, therefore, um, uh, Simanim, all the more, uh, sorry, the death of the father should all the more so get her out of the uh, authority of the master. Right? Right? Since uh, the death of the father can get her out of the authority when she's in, with her father, all the more so it can get her out of the authority of the owner um, when if she was, had already been sold into slavery. That's his kavachomer. Meti veravoshaya. Ravoshaya says no, but can't be. Yetera alav amayvriya shekonatas mabesimanim. Our Mishnah lists only one way in which amayvriya can go out. 
that's in addition to a male, and that's through simanim, vimita. And if it was true, what you said in your kavachomer that the death of the father can allow her to go free from the owner, the Mishnah should have said so, also the death of the father. So we answer, maybe not. It could be that the Mishnah is giving one example, but not giving all, it's not a comprehensive list. And so it left out, it gave one example and left out one example. Uh, yeah, but yeah, in order to say that, is a general rule that it's okay. The Mishnah sometimes gives just one or two examples and leaves out some examples, but only does that if it's leaving out at least two examples. You're not going to write etc. when there's only one more item. You only write etc. if there's at least two or more items and you don't want to have to say everything. So then you'll leave out more items. So for this argument to work, there has to be another thing that's left out besides mitat ta'av. So what else is missing? Shi'er mitat ta'adon. Oh, the death of the master. She also goes through with the death of the master, right? No. No, the death of the master, that that also applies for a male. So that's not a way in which a ma'ivriya goes free that a male servant does not. So this is not considered something that's an omission. So we're down to just one thing that's omitted. So you should have said it. So why doesn't it say mitata'av? The transmitter uh, or the author of this Mishnah included something that has a fixed limit a set time, um, and uh, that's why it included simanim, but someone, something that does not have a fixed time does not. And the death of the father, who knows how if he's going to live till 60 or 80 or 120. So that's why um, it doesn't mention the death of the father. But really, it could have mentioned the death of the father, and so you see it's missing. Uh, that, that's why it's not here, even though there's only one thing missing from it. Um, but it's not it's not the fact of shi'ed. It's just that it's not listing all types of ways that she can go out. Only a type of uh, freedom that has a definite uh, time period. Now we ask about this one. Wait, but simanim actually does not have a set time. Not every not every girl gets uh, sees signs exactly on her twelfth birthday. You never know when it's going to be. Actually, it does have a time limit. It doesn't have a maximum time limit. In other words, never know if it's going to be at 12, 13, 14, 15. Um, but it does have a lower limit under which the signs are not considered signs. And that's under nine years old, as we see here. This Praita seems to actually be talking about a boy, but it's a similar concept for a girl. Um, a, a boy less than nine years old who sees two hairs, we say that's just a mole. It's not considered a sign of puberty. From nine until twelve, it's still considered just a mole. And says during that time period, that is considered a sign. But from 13 years and one day on, everyone agrees that that would be a sign. So you see that under nine years old, that's a, that's a minimum. And so there's no way, according to any opinion, that under nine years old, a siman will be, uh, hairs will be considered a siman. So you see that there is a minimum absolute date uh, even though the maximum, even though there's no maximum date, you never know if it could be, it could be 13, 13 and a half, 14, who knows. Okay, good. Mativ Rav Sheshat.
Rav Sheshat brings another challenge against Rish Lakish's Kalvachomer that an Amavirya can go free when her father dies. And from the follows, Rabbi Shimon Omer Braita teaches in the name of Rabbi Shimon, There are four ways that slaves in general can go free and they will receive a severance gift. Of these four, Three of them apply to a male slave, and three of them to an ama ivriya. In other words, there are um, uh, th- three that oh, there's two that overlap, and then one more applies to men only, and one of them applies to a woman only. And you cannot say that all four of them apply to one or the other because uh, one of the ways that someone goes free is through signs that applies only to Amaivriya. And one of them is um, Yovel to for someone who had his ear pierced. That applies only to a male slave, not a female, as we're going to explain further. So, so what you see here is that it says uh, four ways. Two of them overlap, and that would be years or yovel. Uh, you know, if it's within the within that six years, as we're gonna as we're gonna uh, enumerate. Uh, but what you see here is that does not include mitata baal, mitata av, vimita nitnename mitata av reshakish. If you are correct that the death of the father. Uh, has allows an Amaivriya to go free from her owner, then that should have been listed as one of the ways in which a woman goes free but not a man. If you're going to say, oh, this one, in this case also, it was not a comprehensive list, it left out something. Yeah, but here it actually says four ways, which makes it sound like it's comprehensive. Here's all the four ways. And if you say that this Tana is only mentioning things that have a fixed time period, but if it does not have a fixed time, then it's not mentioning them. And that's why it doesn't mention the death of the father, because you don't know how long he's going to live. But that can be because it mentions signs, which also we don't know exactly when she is going to develop signs. 12, before, after, around then. And maybe it'll bring Rav Safra in here also that says, oh, well, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't have a maximum time, but it does have a minimum time. One of the ways that someone goes free is the death of the master, which is not, uh, which has no fixed time period, and yet this is included in one of the four. No, mitat adon na melaketane. No, one death of the master also is not included in one of these four. We're assuming it was. So, what are the four if it's not death of the master? Um, so, what are the four? The follows shanim v'yovel v'yovel shadisia v'amayvriya besimanim. It's years if uh, if six years are up. Um, that applies to a man and a woman. Yovel, uh, um, w- within that six years, that also applies to a man and a woman. Uh, furthermore, one that applies only to a man is Yovel Shel You see, beforehand we were assuming that that Yovel and Yovel Shel was all one, and maybe the other one was Adon, the the death of the master. Uh, but now we're splitting it into two. So these these two Shadim Yovel apply to men, the man and the woman. Yovel Shel only a male slave can uh, be Nirsa, not a female. The Amayvriya and the female 
if Ama uh, Ivriya she uh, if she sees signs, then she goes free. That's the one that applies only to the woman. And so you see here, it does not is not including the death of anyone, not the death of the father and not the death of the master because those are things that do not have a fixed time we only want to know like when it will it definitely happen that she can or he can count on it that oh if i just wait this number of years then i'll be able to go free and in fact this interpretation makes a lot of sense the continuation of the bright actually says that explicitly you should have had patience and read the whole thing you cannot apply all four um, ways of, of of leaving slavery and getting uh, compensation uh, to uh, you can't apply all four to either a man or a woman because simanim uh, does not apply to a man and uh, a female slave cannot become nirsa so it doesn't leave in the yovel as a nirsa if you're going to count also the death of the father then you're going to have if that's one of them then you're going to have all four that actually apply to her and that can't be so you know what it's in fact right that we do not include the death of the father because it's something that has no fixed limit and therefore the shakish has survived another day uh, however it is not going to survive forever because we have yet another challenge against his so the following can get a severance gift someone who leaves after the six years or because of Yovel, or the death of the master, or Maivriya, uh, she has an additional one that she um, uh, goes free when she sees uh, signs of uh, maturity. If it's true, Rash Lakish, what you say, that the death of the father allows her to go free, then it should have been included on this list. If you say, well, it's not a comprehensive list, of list is leaving someone out, but the word Elu, these are, suggests that it is a comprehensive list. And maybe you'll say, as we did before, it's only mentioning things that have a fixed limit, not if it doesn't have a fixed limit. Well, but it's including signs, which it does not have a fixed limit, so it should include death of the father also. And that, that is in the, in the list. And if for that, you're going to say, like Rav Sifra, that there's no maximum, but there is a minimum uh, limit of time um, well then what are you going to do about the death of the master which is for sure in this list explicitly we have no answer to this and since in this list mentioned the death of the master even though it has no fixed limit uh, it should have mentioned the death of the father and also it says elu which sounds like it's a comprehensive list in fact that in fact that this list does not mention the death of the father means that and in fact, is not one of the ways in which a ama ivriya goes free, and so Resh Lakish is contradicted uh, uh, conclusively by this uh, by, by by this baraita.
Now, however, we ask a more substantive question, even though Resh Lakish's example, uh, the, the law that he wanted to bring of the death of the father is not in that Braita, but still, what about his Kavachomer, right? It was seemed a logical uh, conclusion. Kavachomer Amar. So how are you going to refute his Kavachomer just because it's not in that source, but he has a logical proof? And the answer is Kavachomer Pirichahi. This is a Kavachomer that we can refute. Mishum you're comparing apples to oranges. When it comes to Simanim, it changes her physical body. Now she is mature. Beforehand, she wasn't. She goes from a kitana to a ne'ara. And therefore, it makes sense to say, she, who was sold into slavery? A kitana. Now she's a different person. She has a different body. And that's why she goes free. She can't be owned anymore by that master. That is fundamentally different from the death of the father, uh, where her body does not change. So just because uh, the death of the father gets her out from under the authority of the father, which I would say actually just makes sense because there is no, there's no father, so she can't be under the authority of the father when he dies. Um, but that, that um, but it, 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 even so, um, by getting simanim under her father, it does not completely change the authority of the father because that's just the, nat- the, um, the nature of parenthood, fatherhood, that he retains some rights over her. But in terms of selling her body to slavery, and now she's a different body, you can't just can't compare that to the death of the father, and that's how we break the kavachome. All right, so now we've proven that Rishakish's um, example, uh, uh, his law is not in the Braita, and we have a way to refute his Kavachomer. Nevertheless, we're going to attempt one last time to say maybe there is a Braita that does confirm Resh Lakish's opinion. Because look at these two contradictory Baraitot. Taneh Hada. Enik Aibed Aibri La'asmo Ve'anik La'asma. The first Baraita says that the severance package for an Evedivri he keeps. And that for an Amaibriya, after she goes free, she keeps. Ve'tanya Idach. Enik Amaibriya Mesiata La'aviya Ve'en L'Rabba Ela Sechar Batala Bilvad. The second Baraita would agree that for a male, uh, he keeps his severance package. However, for an Amaibriya, yeah. Her, uh, her, her severance package, and if she finds an item, it goes to the father. Meaning, even while she's in Amaivriya, she finds a wallet uh, with a thousand dollars, and there's no name. So she keeps the thousand um, dollars, and it goes to the father. Now, what about the master? Doesn't the master own her handiwork? Yes, the master owns her work, but not her findings. So therefore, let's say she was in the field, and now she stopped for uh, five minutes to uh, pick up this, uh, this wallet. So that time, uh, the five minutes of lost time, lost labor, that, how much is that worth? Right? Figure how much does she get an hour according to the, her, her sale price and all that. So let's say that's worth uh, uh, $1, right? Of, uh, so the master will get $1 because she wasn't working for that five minutes, but the $1,000 goes to the uh, goes to her father. So that's the second opinion. The main point here is the contradiction between the severance package. The first Baraita says it goes to, she, her, she keeps it. The second one says it goes to her father. How can we account for this contradiction? My love, is it not that the first Baraita, where she uh, keeps it herself, why does she keep it? Because the father had died. She goes free through the father dying. So that's why the father doesn't get it. She keeps it herself. The second Braita is where she leaves because she became mature. The father is still around. And uh, that's why 
the father gets it. What do you prove from here, if indeed this is a good resolution of these Baraitot, that the there is a Baraita that follows Resh Lakish, that she should, would go free. The Baraita that says she keeps it herself is when the father died, and she went free because the father died. Isn't that a good proof that um, for Resh Lakish? And we say no. We could explain that both of them is that she got free because of Simanim. And nevertheless, there's no contradiction between the Baraitot. The second Baraita, where it says the father gets it, that's where the father is still alive and the first Baraita is when the father had died she doesn't she didn't go free because the father died the father sold her into slavery then she died uh, then he died while she was still a slave she remains a slave and then when she um, be, becomes mature then she goes free she keeps the money because the father isn't around and so sorry we did not find any Baraita that can be a source for a backup for Resh Lakish. Now, regarding this law itself, we understand why the severance package from Avriya she should keep. Why and why do you have to say that? Um, is to uh, to exclude her brothers, right? Her brothers would not have a right to it. Um, even if the father had died and she gets this item, it's not like the this money would go to the father and then since the father died, the brothers who inherit the father would take it. No. How do you know that? Even though in general, all the father's property, if there, if there are sons, will go to the sons. Well, we learn this from this pasuk that says, you will bequeath them, meaning an evid kana'ani, to your children, to your sons after you. And we derive only the evid kana'ani gets inherited by the sons, but not your daughters, meaning, uh, and we learn from here, that um, uh, something, a zichut bito, something that is coming to a daughter, like severance, a severance package, if the daughter was sold into slavery, that's something that she has a right to. The rights of a daughter do not get inherited to the son. The daughters keep it, even though the rest of his property goes to the sons, but something that the daughter deserves uh, she gets, and that's why this this uh, Baraita is teaching us that the severance package of Ma'avriya, uh, of course it doesn't go to the father if the father's dead, but it does not even go to the heirs of the father, her brothers. She keeps it herself. That's what the Baraita wanted to teach me in that line. But we still have a question. How come the Baraita had to mention that in Evedivri, he gets to keep his Anik? We're talking about just an adult, Evedivri. Where else would it go? Who else could get it? Rav Yosef said, I see here a small letter that has been made into a large city. In other words, really it was not necessary for the Tanah to teach this, but it's just, uh, even though it's not anything new, um, uh, he made uh, uh, many words from a small point, right? Something that could have been said in a small thing, like a Yod. A Yod is the smallest letter. It's like just saying one dot. Right, um, became expanded into a large city, and uh, in fact, uh, there's nothing uh, specifically new here. Abaya however, says, No, there is a could be a chidush in this line if we say it's the opinion of tuta'e, because in this Badaita, he says 
law that the evidivri receives his severance package and not a creditor to whom he owes money. The creditor, we saw this yesterday, cannot go to the owner and said, wait, this uh, slave that you freed, he owes me, he owes me money, so give the money straight to me. No, even if you say in general that A owes B and B owes C, that um, A can uh, go and uh, um, uh, B owes money to C, that C can go collect all the way back from A, even if you say that's true in general. Here, regarding a severance package, it goes to the slave himself and not to the creditor, and that's the chidush of that line in the Baraita. Good, Gufa. Now that we mentioned that Baraita with all the people who deserve a severance package, we're going, we quoted part of it, we're going to quote the, the, the entirety. The following go free and receive a severance package. Someone who leaves, a slave who leaves after a full term of six years, or someone who leaves during a, because the yovel came. Um, so here it just says one type of yovel, any, any yovel, whether it's during the six years or, or nirsa. Um, also, if the owner dies, owner dies, evedivri uh, does not get passed on to heirs. And also, amayvriya, she goes free if she sees signs of maturity. Aval borech, on kesef, en manikim lo. However, a slave that Runs, that runs away or that is redeemed uh, with money, a reduction price of money, does not get a um, uh, does not get a severance package. The Gemara will explain why. disagrees. He's, he agrees regarding a runaway that you don't give him a severance package. He ran away, but as like an empl- employee that quits, you don't have to give him a severance severance package only if you fire them. Or the, you know, the end of the contract. Um, but someone who, who is uh, redeemed with money, that's a legitimate way of leaving. So that person does deserve a severance package. Rabbi Shimon Omer. Rabbi Shimon, it's not clear if he's saying the same thing as Tanakama or not. Uh, it can be interpreted to be the same or uh, otherwise. That he shouldn't deal with that. Uh, he says what we said before. There are four ways for the slave can go free and deserve a severance. Three of them apply to men only and three of them apply to women only. You can't apply all four to any one gender because one of them is leaving with signs of maturity that applies only to the female and that it's uh, that yovel for a nirsa uh, go, uh, nirsa goes free in Yovel, that applies only to a male. Good. Now we ask about this Braita. What's the source? Um, the Pasukim themselves talk about someone leaving after six years that you should give them their, uh, you should give them the severance package. So uh, the Torah explicitly only says it about that. So I might have thought maybe only someone that works for a full term of six years receives a severance package and not someone who leaves uh, slavery in any of the other ways. How do you know that we should include the other items of someone who is freed because of the Jubilee year or because the owner died? Or who sees signs? From the extra word, it doesn't, say, it doesn't just say send them, but 
and should you send them the extra word vechi comes to include this these other categories. Now, since you're including things, why not also include a runaway and someone who's re, who's redeemed by the deduction of the sale price? It says, if you should send the slave free from your from, uh, from yourself, only if you are send, setting him free, right, by some uh, by some legitimate action um, uh, or some you know anticipated uh, uh, way, which would be all those three. They finished their six years. Yovel came. Uh, the simanim came. The the owner died. These are all regular ways in which the owner is uh, agreeing and uh, anticipated or, or it happened automatically um, or because of something the owner did, including dying, I guess. Um, and, and that's why they go free. So that's all included. But it's not called that you sent him free if he ran away. Uh, certainly not. Or if someone came and redeemed him, or he redeemed himself, the owner did. Uh, this is, uh, you know, the owner might not want that to happen, um, but this this happened. The owner didn't send him away; he acquired his own freedom. So then, in those two cases, no severance. Rabbi Meir agrees regarding a runaway. That's not called that you sent him away. He ran away. But he thinks that if he's redeemed, that's a legitimate way of him acquiring his freedom. Freedom, and that's all also called that he is sent from you that uh, you grant uh, his uh, freedom because they paid you the uh, the rest of the money that he had, had owed and therefore to the, that person does deserve a severance according to the B Meir. Now we ask about a runaway. Wait a second, the runaway, he still has to come back, right? Let's say he runs away after three years, and now, you know, he's caught, and he has to come and finish off his years. Because we see in the Braita, how do you know that a runaway still is oblig- obligated to finish his years? You don't say, so since he ran away, that's it, he's gone. He has to serve all six. Therefore, after the six years are finished, so let him get a severance because he, at that point, he finished all the six years. The Benaita continues and notes that, well, what if he got sick in the middle? He worked for three years, and it's not runaway, but he got sick. So then, uh, for three years, or whatever, however long, does he have to go and make up those years? Because it says he has to work for six years, and so after, whenever he gets better, he has to finish off the remaining time? No, that's why the Pasuk says, and the seventh year he goes free. If he worked some time, and then he got sick and couldn't work, and nevertheless, once the six years are up, he goes free because even though it says he has to work six years, it also adds, and the seventh he goes free, the seventh he goes free no matter what. That's true. However, if he runs away in the middle, he has to go and make up his time. Since he has to go make up his time, in the end, after he, if he does come back and make up his time, he worked all six years. So then he should deserve severance. So how come a run, How come everyone th- says that a runaway does not get severance? That's the question. You're right. That person would get severance. If he it was three, he, he worked for three years, ran away, eventually came back, worked the other three years, he finished all his six years. 
that he deserves severance. You're right. Here, the, the Badaita is talking about a slave that ran away, and while he, he worked for three years, then he ran away, and in the meantime, Yovel came, now he's free, because he would be free no matter what. He does not have to go back and fill, f- finish off the three years. Now, I would have thought since Yovel came, and now he's free because of Yovel, so that's called that you sent him away, like any, like a regular slave who's, who's still around, as a slave, and the and Yovel makes him go go free. And I would have thought maybe I don't give him a fine. That's it, the Yovel. And he gets severance. Kamash Malan. That's why this Badaita had to come and teach. No, not so. If he run, if he ran away and didn't finish his service, and in the meantime Yovel came and set him free, he loses his right to his severance. Baruch Adonai Amen.